welcome to the Man Enough Podcast. I am Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. I'm Jamie Heath. And uh, what do we do every week, Liz Plank? We talk to different guests, thought leaders, uh, authors, artists, speakers, actors, all kinds of different people about their journey with masculinity and gender equality. And today we are talking to an amazing man who's one of your friends. Giacomo. Your internet friend. You guys haven't met in person yet. Yeah, we haven't met in person yet. He's an internet friend. Social media friend. What does that mean, internet friend? It means that um, it means that uh, he messaged me originally on uh, on Instagram to support some of this work, and we became friends that way. And it mm. was just really, really sweet. When men reach out to me uh, like that, it just touches me deeply. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, Giacomo Gianotti mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is coming on. Yeah. Um, first generation Italian, mm-hmm. uh, son to an immigrant. Uh, we have not similar stories, but um, adjacent stories, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, just a really sweet guy, mm-hmm. and really wants to do good yes. with his platform and with his work, and cares deeply about humanity and gender equality. And I'm excited to talk to him. Yes, me too. Let's do it. Let's Shall do it. we? <laughs> All right, let's get into it. We will be right back. This is Man Enough. Hello and welcome back to Man Enough. We are here with a very special guest. Okay, let's see who can say his name with the best accent. All right. All right. You want to go first? No, you, please. Giacomo Giannotti. Okay, how about you? I'll say say it in the French way, the French-Canadian way. (laughs) Giacomo Giannotti. Oh, well. I would say uh, Giacomo. Gignotti. Very good. Hold on a second. Before the cameras were rolling, you were pretending you were, not you to were know. doing it a whole I was? way. I don't remember. And then and then There's the cameras no, came you, on. You, you got like, no. You got no proof of that. You know what's really cool is that you have such you. a cool name that people remember. You know, like names that are like mm-hmm. uh, Tom Harris, for instance. People may forget that, right. but your name, your face, then it sticks, even though maybe sometimes. Hopefully, sure yeah, I, I like to think so, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, he's so much more than his name. He is indeed. <laughs> uh, Liz Plank, mm-hmm. would you like to tell us a little yeah. bit about Giacomo? Giacomo, uh, you are perhaps best known for your role as Dr. Andrew DeLuca on ABC's hit drama, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and you had a very impactful character that portrayed the very real struggles of mental health. You're Italian-born. You're also a fellow yeah. Canadian yeah. in the house. Mm-hmm. Finally, we have representation on this set. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Canadian. Wow. <laughs> you are an artist of many colors. You're a philanthropist, you're a performer, TV director, producer, voice actor. You're in Disney's Luca. And you will be seen in the upcoming uh, Netflix show that's called from scratch. Yes. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. You were just in Florence, right? I was, yeah. Shooting that. In Italy. It was Thank beautiful. Thank you so much for coming back uh, from Florence to do this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's great to be back. I was traveling for quite some time, so just kind of like living out of a suitcase. It gets tiring really fast. Miss my wife, miss my dog. So mm-hmm. it's nice to just kind of put my feet back here. Well, on the I'm so happy you're here because and as we were talking about before we started rolling, you had reached out to me. Uh-huh. And it's really rare for men especially successful men like you that i've noticed in town to reach out and be like wow i love what you're doing with man enough i love this and Hmm. how can i support and uh we didn't know each other but at that point i was like 
this is a special guy. And I just really appreciated that. And I'm so happy that, you know, you're a man of your word and you wanted to come on and hang out with us. Thanks for getting back to me. Yeah. I just saw what you were doing and I just, you know, it, it activated a lot of thoughts that I had been having, conversations that I'd been having with, mm. with friends of mine. And I just thought, wow, here's a man who has kind of realized all these things that I've been thinking of and, you know, packaged it in this really amazing approachable way and is making mm. it cool and approachable. And so I, I was just blown away. And so this guy thinks I'm cool. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I was for the just record, like, this guy, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> well, you're a cool guy. That makes cool. me feel yeah, cool. On, cool. Uh, no, it was really, really sweet. Yeah. And really, that really you were sweet. continuing to grow on it and build it. And that this was just like, you know, the inception, right? Yeah. This is the starting point, right? So that's what was exciting to me of like, oh, well, if he continues to grow and build this thing, I, I'd love to see if there's some time that I could hop on the train. Um, mm. So here we are. But what, he, what, what he does, was, which I appreciate, you know, oftentimes we get dressed in the closet and then we come back out when we're all done up. Mm -hmm. Rarely do we get undressed and show people in the process. Um, and what he does well is he's like, he gets dressed and gets his makeup on in front of everybody. <laughs> and it's not always pretty. It's not pretty, but he, he does it. I appreciate <laughs> so, that. So uh, to you now, yeah. since you are the guest, so we like to ask uh, our guests this question first, which is, when was the last time that you didn't feel enough? I didn't feel enough. You know, I, I think it's something that I battle with daily, but in my journey to growth as a man, I think I just have, I'm still building, but I'm, I'm finding a way to just have less judgment about it and, and be okay with it. And um, that's, I'm not going to accomplish all the things I want to in every given day. I'm not going to be there for every single person that needs me every single day. It's something I talk about frequently with my wife, this idea of like somebody has to lose. Mm -hmm. Every day somebody has to lose. There was some call I didn't get back to. There was some message I, I didn't respond to. Yeah. There was some person who needed me and I wasn't there for them. You know, mm. and I hate that. Every day somebody has to lose. There's not enough hours in a day, mm -hmm. you know. But, you know, I was, I was talking to my, my wife about this and I, I, I rethought it and I was said, you know what, if I was to get back to every person and do all the things mm -hmm. and, you know, satiate every single person's needs, well, then who loses? Mm -hmm. Me. Yeah, baby. I wouldn't be able to have the space or time to give myself in the day what I need for myself, which might be getting a workout in, meditating, um, playing a record that makes me happy, whatever it is that day that I need. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's sort of hmm. how I feel about your your question of. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Enoughness as men. Is there a specific time, like? A specific thing that comes up for you when you think of the word enoughness of like being enough like something that you personally struggle with outside of the uh I, every, somebody has to lose thing is there like an, an area in your life as a man i think since becoming married and and sort of taking on this role of the you know man of the house whatever that means <laughs> um a provider, uh, uh, someone who is a shoulder to lean on. Um, I just, you know, my wife or, or, or she, people don't put all this pressure on me. I put it all on myself, <laughs> which is the most hilarious part. But, um, 
but that that is something that I think about. You know, am I being a good enough husband? Am I in, am I doing all I need to do to be a man? You know, am I am I ticking all the boxes? You know, every day. Where do you day? think that comes from? Being the son of an immigrant, I think, just coming from another place and being like, we're grateful to be here. Like, mm. be grateful every day that you're here. You know mm. what I mean? Because a lot of people didn't make it here and are still stuck back there. And so you have to make every day, you know, the best it can be. Uh, you can't waste days. You got to work. You got to hustle. You got to build. Mm. Um, there's always someone around the corner waiting to take an opportunity from you. You know what I mean? There's no rest for the wicked. Uh, my dad was an incredibly hard worker, a huge inspiration uh, to me, work ethic, drive, all that stuff. I, I feel like I got, you know, from, from my father coming to Canada, not knowing the language um, at all um, and, uh, and somehow landing on his feet, somehow always kind of figuring it out. Mm. Um, and I always I admired that quality, you know, about him. Do you mind sharing? So my father is um, an amazing man who's taught me so much. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing that I said uh, that I would think that um, could have been even better. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad didn't show um, a lot of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So when he did, it really meant something, right? Yeah, for so sure. he did so many things perfectly wonderfully, but that area maybe could have been an improvement. Tell me something about, because we know your father, you love mm -hmm. him obviously, mm -hmm. and he's done so much. Definitely. But what's something that you might identify that maybe could have been a little bit better, mm -hmm. that therefore may have made you better? So my parents were separated almost immediately. I've only known them apart. And my mother wanted to return to Canada to, to raise me uh, where she was from. And so my father followed um, to this place that he didn't know anybody or speak the language because he wanted to be present in my life because mm -hmm. my father did not have a father. My, his father walked out on, on the family. So that was a trauma that he did not want to, you know, pass bring on. forward yeah. and pass on to me. So he says, I, you know, I don't got any money. I don't know, speak the language in this place. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, but I'll be damned if my son does not have a dad. Mm. He lived in Toronto. My, my, my mother lived in this small place called Perry Sound. And on the weekends, every couple of weekends, sometimes I, I would see him. So I didn't spend a lot of time with my father. I didn't get to see him a lot growing up. And I think because we didn't see each other a lot, when we spent time together, he always had to make it very special. We had to go to like mm -hmm. a theme park. We had to go go-karting. We had to go mm -hmm. big production. You know, he'd like blow all the money that he saved up <laughs> as a waiter to, to, to do that. And although it was certainly fun, because as a young boy doing those things is fun, I think in retrospect, to answer your question, what I really just wanted was just time. Hmm. Like I just wanted to sit on a bench with my dad and just talk. Have you talked to him about that? Yeah, I have. How did I those have. conversations go? They were tough, you know? <clears throat> I mean, I when I was younger, I think there was so much judgment and I had such a 
a really hard time with my father. You know, the relationship that I have with my father now is not the relationship I had mm-hmm. when when I was much younger. It was a lot of going against each other, a lot of, you know, mm. uh, alpha, alpha in one home. And, you know, because when I was 16, I moved to Toronto to be with him. And he basically just got this fully realized 16-year-old dropped off on his doorstep, never really had to be full-time dad. And it was way too much for him. And I I didn't know how to be a son to him. It was like a two-way mm-hmm. kind of a thing, you know? And um, so, yeah, I've had some of these conversations, but I just I, I just didn't think he was equipped to to handle this, this guy who we only kind of knew on the weekends. And now he's like this kind of young man who's kind of self-realized and... And I got to take care of them all the time. So we we bumped heads a lot. But I think looking back, yeah, I just I just wanted quality time. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be on a go-kart. I didn't want to be having all this ice cream and all these like things that were going to make him cool dad, right? I just wanted to tell me about life and tell me about like making friends, girls, mm-hmm. um, you know, sex. Mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, I've seen the podcast, you guys talk about sex and how like our fathers were absent from these conversations, you know. But I think when I was when I was younger, I had so much judgment towards my my father. But now that I'm an adult and I'm married and I'm looking to start a family on my own, I go, shit. Hmm. I mean, if I had his cards at 25, what the hell would I have done? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would have navigated that better. I don't know if I would have had all this amazing insight that I now have as an adult you know what i mean it's yeah. easy to sit back and say oh why didn't you do it better but it's like why don't you go step in his shoes yeah. at that time you know and see how you did mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a lot of generational trauma with immigrant families i i my uh dad is first gen and hungarian immigrant and oh, okay. it both my grandparents fr- came from hungary as refugees and you know, had incredible trauma, lived in refugee camps. Like, and I don't feel like my dad, I feel like my dad transmitted that trauma, but we never (laughs) talked about that trauma. And, and I think it'd be really useful to talk about that amongst men, right? From father to son to grandson, there's a lot of generational trauma there. Yeah. You are listening to the Man Enough podcast. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. Your character in Grey's Anatomy really creates a model to talk about men and mental health. I'm curious, can you tell us more about what that meant for you and what was the feedback? Did you get, you know, men who were so enthralled to see themselves represented on screen? It was, I mean, I had an inkling of like the impact it would have when I was reading it on the page, but I had no idea of the impact it was going to have after it aired. And I mean, I can't even tell you how many messages I received, both, you know, on public forums like Twitter, people saying nice things, and also people who, uh, which I totally respect, privately messaging me, just, you know, telling personal stories uh, about them, whether it was, uh, because my character is bipolar, Mm -hmm. um, bipolar one, and there was so many kind of like testimonials, whether it was they were struggling or they had um, a family member that had been struggling and this just helped put it in perspective that it was not only portrayed beautifully but respectfully and it was it was not just also about him and his experience but it was about all the people around him mm. and how they were handling this right mm. how like it was like an instruction video for how you can be a support system for mm. someone who's going like this and what is that instruction you know what i mean M- manual 
Well, I mean, God, it's a lot of things. It's, it's therapy, it's psychiatric evaluation, mm-hmm. it's diet, exercise, sleep, uh, a good relationship with, um, you know, work and making sure that you're not overworking yourself. These are all things that are triggers that can that can make you relapse and have episodes of mania or depression. Um, so, and like autism, it's a spectrum, you know, no, no case is unique. So yeah. one, I could have 10 people in a row who are bipolar, their, their experiences are completely different from each other. You know, this guy, oh, when I don't sleep, this sets me off or this, oh no, I can not sleep, but when I don't do this, it sets me off or whatever. So, um, but it, I think it's, it, I could easily say it's probably the most gratifying, you know, pillar milestone I've reached in my career was to be able to portray something that connected with so many people mm. and, and to feel that love back. Um, mm. And that Beautiful. people felt seen or felt heard or felt like they had now some kind of extra tool to serve them in helping a family member, you mm. know, or helping mm. themselves. And did you hear more from men or was it kind of half and half? I would say it was like probably like 75, 25, more women, women, definitely. Um, I think a lot of the women were talking about family members Mm -hmm. and then the men that reached out mostly were were men who who had bipolar. Mm -hmm. I have um, a question for you. Let me set it up with this. Um, How long have you been married? Two years now. Two years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in sports, Let's say basketball. Okay. At the end of a game, mm-hmm. the coach will sit with the players and they look at film. He's Italian, Jeremy. Why don't you use soccer. Soccer, wonderful. Yeah. I, I I will I will share that I'm not the biggest sports okay. guy. That well, is then one I'll, of like, but the most, for like those unmanly things no way. that I mean. Yeah. Like, no, no, this is not even a reference. This is okay, just cool, fact. Cool, what cool, 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 cool. Right. So a, a team goes out there. The, the object is to win. Right. So they play a game. Mm-hmm. Whether they win or lose, the coach sits with them and they go over film. They watch the game. Um, all the things they did right. He says, great job, keep doing that. But what they focus on is where could we have improved? Of course. How can we be better? That's the only way to do it is to reflect. Definitely. If you were to look at a film of your last two years of marriage, mm-hmm. all the things you've been doing, great, wonderful, keep doing it. Tell me some things that you could have done better looking at the film. So much. <laughs> my God. I just, you know, a testament to my wife because she had the patience to really guide me into to being the man that I always wanted to be because uh, I just feel like when we met I I was a boy mm-hmm. and I only really became a man with her because I met someone who really allowed me to grow into this mm-hmm. person that I felt like I was just really pretending to be this whole time oh. and we did a lot of work. We did a lot of therapy. We did a lot of everything, books, podcasts, uh, just trying to learn and unpack a lot of the things from our childhoods. And um, so I had a big thing with control. I had to control everything. I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I've certainly got a good starting point and have been working through that. But. So it was like we're in the car and oh, I want to go left. And I say, no, we're going right. And, oh, well, I'll go to the re- how about we try this restaurant? No, I want to try this one. And if any idea or something that she presented, like my immediate response was, no, we're doing this. And mm. it took me so long to actually step out of my body and be able to observe these things and see what I was doing and just see how stupid it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And like we kept coming back to my wife kept coming back to this thing saying, why do you care? Mm. And it made my blood boil that I couldn't answer the question. Mm. Like just boil. Like yeah. I, I was red with rage that I couldn't answer her question. I don't know why I care. Why do I care? Whether it's blue or yellow or up or down. Like why do I care? If that makes you happy, go ahead. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so a lot of that was 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 control and and giving up control, apologizing shit. Ooh, <sighs> let's talk about apologizing. Let's talk about apologizing, mm-hmm. please. That was a big thing for me. How long it took me to apologize, um, the the my just my relationship with a with the with apologizing. You know what I mean? It used to be this thing that was like begrudgingly with my teeth clamped, like, sorry, you know? Which is not genuine and it's not an apology. It's, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so <clears throat> I feel like now I've come to a place where I'm way quicker to apologize and I've redefined that apologizing doesn't make me any less of a man. It doesn't make me weak. It's not even admitting that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm having enough grace to give over and be generous enough to give over this moment to to this person, which could be my wife or my mother, my father, whatever it is, whoever you're apologizing to. Um, and I think that there's a lot of strength in apologizing, mm-hmm. but it's something that is only learned in practice. You can't read it and be like, oh, I get it. No, you have to do the work. You have to be actively doing that stuff. And only then do you actually feel and and receive the the, the, the reward feeling. Too, the reward, too, right? Yeah. You are listening to the Man Enough podcast. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. Why do we think that women and generally are better at apologizing than men? Maybe because they're taught to or conditioned to? I don't know. I mean, I think it has to do with pride. I think it has to do with ego. Ego. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I've been in situations, so, so I mean, I, I feel like I've had the same freaking fight with, like, you know, <laughs> over and over again in all my long-term relationships with men where, and that's why I reacted. We had a guest who said, uh, you know, oh, the last time I apologized, I said, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I was like, that's not an apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it came out because that's mm-hmm. a trigger. It I still say that today. Yeah. I feel like I said that, like, two days ago. Yes. It's so, and again, unless you have no responsibility in what's going on. Um, it's such a way to invalidate the other mm-hmm. person's feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's so damaging because as women, oh, yeah. society is always invalidating our feelings. And so to have your intimate partner do it is is really difficult. Oh, yeah. And I think that, and, and I have ego and pride and all that shit. Like I hated apologizing when I was young. That's how I would apologize. And now what I found is that I'm always happier if I'm apologizing first. Like, if I apologize first, it's Like very, it's a race? No, but it's like, doesn't it make you <laughs> no, I'm happier as a first. man <laughs> now that you can apologize? Like, because I feel like that's Definitely. what we need to talk about with men, right? But it was just yeah. rebranding it. It was redefining it. You yes, know what I mean? It's right. like, why is this thing I've been taught to be negative that's like, you apologize as you losing, as you accepting defeat? Yes. Did your, did your mm-hmm. growing up, did your mom or dad ever apologize to you? Do you ever remember, ever remember them saying, I'm sorry, or... Honestly, no, I, I I don't. It's not like some specific time sticking out. Um, it's funny, like you know, my parents have a great relationship now, and they're friends, and they'll they'll meet for like, you know, dinner, coffee dates, or things like that. Um, but when I was a kid, like, and that separation was, you know, recent. That was not the case, mm. and uh, 
I had to play a middleman a lot, you know, mm. and it was tough. That's a lot for mm. a kid. Um, I mm. should have been playing and picking my nose and finger painting, and mm -hmm. it was like you better tell your dad this, and you and oh, don't you tell your mom about that. And, oh, and they made you the you know, yeah. And in the moment, I think I you know you're just like oh, I guess this is like what all kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, go through, and then you find it later in life, you're like oh, that was super fucked up. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Um, that I was sort of like I guess conditioned to become an adult and have adult conversations and things much faster than I should have. Um, even just things I didn't even understand. Hmm. And yeah. carrying the weight, shouldering that responsibility to almost like take care of your parents in, in many ways mm -hmm. is a lot for especially a young boy. Which I feel like I, I relate to a lot now. And I don't know if you or, or any of you at the table can, can relate to this, but that like as we get older, like we almost like slip into this parent role of our parents. Yep. You know oh, what yes. I mean? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you just, well, you just reached out to me, I think yesterday. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. You texted me after watching the conversation with my dad. And you said you were just sobbing. Oh, yeah. What was it about that that got I to just you? related so much to not just the, the conversation, which I don't think I've had a conversation like that with my father, um, but I've wanted to. And um, I, I think some sentences around like, how could we possibly have a truly intimate relationship when there's so much that hasn't been said? Yeah. That hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh God, like I may never have that kind of relationship if we don't dig up all oh, this man. stuff, yeah, man. which is not fun and it's uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, and I, I love my father deeply. I love my mother deeply. And I, I don't know how I would have done with, with their cards at, at that time. So. I, I don't judge them, but I, I think it's helpful to talk about these things, you know, mm -hmm. as as an adult and especially for this podcast, which you dig into those things and how we become the men that we are today. I um, love that you're <clears throat> willing to do that with us and, and model for other people. Um, I know that you're in therapy and you attribute a lot of your growth to that, um, admitting that for other men, because I think we talked about this thing about ego and why it's so hard to apologize yeah. is because we have this, um, we had someone on our on our set um, that came in, I think I was sharing, that came in as Superman. Uh -huh. And um, and I just want to see Clark Kent, right? But we are always got our suit on. And we're trying to be Superman. For sure. And by saying I'm sorry or saying I don't know, um, admitting that we have some things to correct feels like we're being vulnerable and mm -hmm. like weak. Um, but when you say it and all your fans hear you say it mm -hmm. and you show that it's strength. Absolutely. Um, the men that I love the most are ones that apologize, that have no issue with it. You see the strength in that. The the men that uh, apologize and say I don't know the most, my female friends all think they're the most sexy um, because that shows strength. Is it that does. true? Oh my God, yes. The, the the sexiest thing a man has ever done in a relationship with me is when I, it was one the beginning of the relationship and I was like, oh, he's so annoying right now and I have to tell him that what he's doing is annoying me and I don't want to tell him because I don't want to hurt his feelings and I don't want him to be mad at me. And <laughs> Anyway, and I just like blurted it out. I was like, I just, when you do this thing, like I, I just feel overwhelmed and like this is what I need. And I was like waiting like for the shoe to drop because in my past relationships, <laughs> that was the beginning of a fight. And he looked at me and he said, Thank you. And mm. I was like, and he was like, thank you for telling me that. That will make our relationship better mm. and make us closer. And I was like, oh my God, this is so that emotional maturity, right? Mm -hmm. And that like 
it's not about me. It's about we. Right. There's this trick in couples therapy where 100%. they almost tell you like wear the same like hat and like T-shirt when you're fighting so that you remember that you're on the same team. And it's not Whoa. if I win. Right. Then mm. it, it, it's like we win or we lose. There's no I. Right. In in, in the well, there is an I in relationship, but there's uh there's a we. We get uh, what you mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got you. Um, we don't got to get into spelling. So to me, it's that, right? Like, it's like men realizing, like, this is a team. This isn't yeah. like you against me. No. We're not, we're individuals, but no. like. And if I win, we lose. Exactly. If you win, we lose. Yes. Unless you sing, unless you say that, I like to win, not yeah. my way. Yes. Mm -hmm. The win. The yeah. short term win for me always feels terrible. Mm. It's like if, if, if we've ever been in a situation where, like with Emily and I, as an example, we've gotten in a fight mm. and I just was a dummy and didn't apologize. And I just wanted to get my point across and win. Mm -hmm. And I won, which is really just her, just me winning is her being like, you're just an idiot and I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> Cause uh, what happens after that is you're like, oh, your chest puffs out. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh my God, I feel like shit. And then the high mm -hmm. dissipates. It goes and then away you're left so with just fast. guilt and shame, shame. And, and you then just you, feel like crap. And then you go over there with your you know, tail between your legs mm -hmm. and you're like, you know what? I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And they're like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I do this oh, thing. You, you worked that out, did you? <laughs> okay, so have you worked that out for yourself? Yeah, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and when you spoke of control too and winning, my wife, Natasha, does. Uh, she has six coffees around the house all the time. I love that. I make a coffee and she leaves three quarters of it. She puts it in the refrigerator. <laughs> she brings ones from this place and that place and it's in the refrigerator. And I'm like, and then I try to get something out of the refrigerator and it's in the way, then it gets knocked over. And I'm like, why do you have so many coffees? Can I throw this out? She's like, no, 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 I want that coffee. And after a while it started bothering me. <laughs> there were all these coffees around. And then she'd asked me, why does it bother you so much? Yeah, why do you care? Why do you care? It, uh, it just brings me joy to know there's a coffee there. Like. So my caring about it was more important than something that brought her joy. Mm. Exactly. Um, and when I realized that, now I have fun with it. It's like, oh, there's another coffee in here. And it's, it's like, there's no thing with it. And I know your wife. And the other part of, I think, why there's probably coffees everywhere is because you have two kids and she's chasing them around the house all day long. Mm. And boom, drinking, 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 yeah, drinking. Yeah, leaves it around. Yeah. And leaves it around. That's right. Mm -hmm. But it's but she interesting. She doesn't want it to waste, so she, yeah. she keeps it. And then we come in as men, and we don't like our we don't like the coffees there. <laughs> For no How reason. dare you How leave all these coffees you? around? How dare you? But what's your advice to men who feel that way in their relationships, and they're kind of stuck in that dynamic? Again, it's like you you can read all you want about driving a car. You will not know how to drive one until you get in and drive mm -hmm. it. And it's the same thing, you know, as I said earlier, that like you can only know the benefits once you actually start practicing. I can't just, as a friend, tell you, Hey man, if you start apologizing, it's really awesome. You're like, no, it's not. That sounds horrible. Yeah. I'm like, try it. Yeah, try it. And then you come back to me and we go, you know what? Like that fight lasted like one minute. Yes. We were back to hugging and kissing and having a good time and watching mm -hmm. our movie and whatever mm -hmm. we were doing. And mm -hmm. thank you. You know what I mean? It's like the only way you can do it is you, ha you have to do it. Mm. And then when it's sustained and you see like long-term yeah. effects and rewards of like mm. your relationship getting like deeper and more three-dimensional, then you're like, holy shit, there's like a superpower. Mm. And then you feel like you want to protect it. You're like, I shouldn't tell I know. people. <laughs> <laughs> and everything's better. Work, and everything's better. Friendships, yeah. your marriage, your stuff. Yeah. It's all great. I just more feel sex, like life right, is- mm -hmm. Better sex. Better sex <laughs> with apologizing. There you go. 
No, it's true. You do it. Mm-hmm. That'll connect in, with men. That'll land. In my life, I've got, uh, uh, I've had a long career, a lot of business associates. Um, I've hurt people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have learned a byproduct of apologizing is life is just easier. You shouldn't apologize so that life is easier for you. But that is a byproduct of it. That people, when you genuinely um, show up, they people want to forgive. Yeah, that's true. You know, we're, we're programmed, I think, to want to, but we're so used to not having people be accountable that when one does show up and be accountable and really just come with your truth, then it's easier for someone to say, okay, and we can move past. And all your work and friendships and your marriage is just better. And also just what an absolute waste of time. Wow. I can't think of any greater waste mm. of time than just arguing over... Coffee. The coffee or mm-hmm. the thanks, yogurt thanks for that. or I appreciate this. it. Thanks for the coffee. Or the, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't we want to just get yeah. back to doing all the things that mm. we need to be doing? Mm. Why are we mm. spending an hour and a half know, it's, yelling it's, at each other in the kitchen? And it's so funny because as men, I think oftentimes the, the, the masculine trait of like being efficient Right, is built into our DNA, and yet we're so inefficient. Yeah, like we're so inefficient. Yeah, right. Could you create anything. You write about it in your book. I write about it in mine. Like the 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 British study of men uh, over the course of their lives will drive an additional like nine hundred miles because they won't ask for directions. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. like we're too prideful to apologize, and so we fight about things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. We get lost. Right, um, all of the things that we focus on. Like they're so inefficient, and yet mm. we claim efficiency, mm. right? Is one mm-hmm. of our, we ought to be efficient. Mm-hmm. It's one of our traits. That's right. But even if you think about with like productivity porn, right? Like biohacking, like oh yeah, we gotta things. hustle. Yeah, hustle. Yeah, sleep. Sleep when you die. Exactly. Right. What is going on with that? Right. It, it's and and it's so interesting to me because self improvement is something that is like really put on you guys. Like obviously women too. We're told like there's everything is wrong with us and we have to you know mm-hmm. work until we're perfect. But self improvement is such a big part of masculinity of like oh, yeah, yeah hacking your body. Uh, you know what does Elon Musk dr- like this drink he drinks every morning? So you're gonna become like. <laughs> Like, right? Like, but where's that same self-improvement drive with relationships? Or, or feelings or emotions or whatever we talk about, you know, and and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but, you know, growing up men, you know, we're often told that we need to, um, let's just look at physical appearance as an example, right? You go to the gym. It's like every guy you know, it's like, oh, I'd love to go to the gym or I want to go to the gym. If they're skinny, they're overweight, whatever it is, we understand that we got to go to the gym and we got to work out. Mm-hmm. And when we go to the gym, it sucks. Like you don't go to the gym and you sit on your phone all day and watch things. You go to the gym, you go to the gym to sweat and to work out and tear down your muscles. But we never apply that same principle to relationships or our emotions or feelings. It's like, like we're oh, willing no, to put ourselves much. through that torture for that. Mm-hmm. For physical, yes. but we but, can't do it emotionally. Like yeah. it's, that's what, I mean, therapy is the gym, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like doing the real work, as, we, as I say in my book, like the hard work of heart work, that's, that's going to the gym, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it, you're not seeing the result over, you know, you can't do a video and see like, here's my 30-day results and then post a picture on Instagram and no. then get followers and then, you know, start whatever your, <laughs> yeah. like, your, your workout coaching business. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Because there's no like physical representation mm-hmm. of it. There's no way I can show you that's that right. I'm 
healed or working on being a better man. But we know, though, from the data, right, like men who ascribe to these very rigid ideas of masculinity are less healthy than men who have a more progressive view of it. Because, you know, not asking for help, do you think that is good for your health? And whether it's mental or Mm -hmm. physical, right, not being able to access that kind of support really makes men, you know, uh, un- uh, more unhealthy. And uh, and I would uh, only challenge this, that uh, when we go to the gym, you do see the third day results. I think when we go to the emotional gym, mm-hmm. um, we do see the results. Absolutely. You may not see them, but everyone around us mm-hmm. starts sure. seeing in the way we behave your our aura, life, your our energy. aura, the energy, yeah. sure, how definitely. we walk. But no, we haven't true. been taught to celebrate exactly. to yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. That's, not, that's not rewarded, just like we talk about women, right? Women, mothers, as an example. Mm-hmm. These are invisible, um, professions, if you will, that aren't rewarded in society. Mm-hmm. Right. So this stuff isn't rewarded. Uh, uh, currently, at the moment, um, a well thought out, emotionally intelligent, sensitive, compassionate man is oftentimes seen as soft. And mm-hmm. that's not rewarded. Mm-hmm. We're punished for that, especially as boys growing up. Mm-hmm. We're teased, we're bullied, we're policed, we're shoved in lockers, you cry, you're, you know, boom. So we have to find a way to shift the narrative and start to reward men. Mm. And I think that starts with us men. It does. Or rewarding women who have those qualities uh, so that we don't devalue those qualities in our society, right? That it's so tied. Like the more you elevate and and, uh, Mm. amplify women and all of the amazing feminine so-called qualities that we have, the more then you will have the power and freedom to, you know, apply those to your life because it won't be, it won't be inferior. Which makes me actually, I'm so glad you said that because I actually wanted to ask you this. So um, as a man um, who has privilege, mm-hmm. um, you're a man, number one. White man, yeah. Um, you're a white man. And, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled for you that you have all these privileges. You deserve them. You should have them. I just want them too. And she wants them too, right? It's not about stripping you of all this wonderful privilege that you have to walk down the street and not worry about this or that or um, to be paid a high rate. We want the whole world to have that. It's not stripping you of of that. But because you have it, tell me some ways as you walk through life that you use that and do you even think that it's important to use that to elevate women, Mm -hmm. to elevate people of color? Um, And how do you do it? I mean, I think, thank you for that question, by the way. That's a great question. I think... You know, in entertainment, I, I do a lot of work with with charities and uh, a lot of giving back with the homeless, which is a huge problem in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I did that work long before I was an actor or had mm-hmm. followers or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when I would ring that, you know, quote unquote, uh, dinner bell for like, hey, donations, like doing this thing, like feeding homeless people, like get involved. Who do you think showed up? Like literally no one. Crickets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Getting that money, getting that attention um, was next to impossible. You get on some big hit show, collect this big following, and you ring that same dinner bell and you got $30,000 in a GoFundMe that's turning into 40 and then 60 over the weekend. And mm. you're like, whoa. This is a tool, because I hate social media, but I understand it as a tool, and it has done great things for me in the charity space, in the philanthropy space. So I think that's a way that I use that privilege and that power that, okay, yes, the following is great, brings business opportunities and all that kind of stuff, but it's also this great place of influence where I can show that I'm doing something or 
um, spending time with a certain kind of individual, a certain kind of organization, and shedding light on those people, those individuals, and those organizations, so that other people and my followers can go, oh, like you know what, like I, I haven't really looked into like my local homeless shelter in my city and mm -hmm. giving them a call and seeing what they need today. And like, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I think how I use that. That's beautiful. Let me, let me offer you a, <clears throat> an additional way. I talked to Justin about these kind of things. Um, big grand gestures are wonderful. We need them. Mm -hmm. um, but the real work is done in the small ways, right? Oftentimes we're going to take a big sledgehammer and like knock this wall down of racism or sexism, but it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It works with every day of your life. You take a chisel, mm -hmm. a little hammer, and you chisel away every single day mm -hmm. in your life. It's a long road. It's a long road. Yeah. That, that's how it's done. So <clears throat> the, um, the charitable ways are beautiful and we need those. But in our daily practice mm -hmm. with our friends, with the people that you hire, mm -hmm. um, your friends in your home, do you have pictures of people of color on your wall? Or is it just your white family? Which is wonderful, but friends. Yeah. Will your children, when you have them, yeah. see me and, uh, and, and other women as others? Or will they see them as part of their life and circle, right? Um, with other friends that you yeah. have, do they? is that what you, or those are ways that you can do those things daily yeah. to make a difference? I mean, uh, to answer your first question of yes, I do ha have people of color Beautiful. on my walls. My my <laughs> my best friend and my best man at my wedding, uh, he's Indian of Indian descent. Beautiful, handsome gentleman with these piercing blue eyes. So he's got like you know this brown skin, but these like piercing blue eyes. Very very striking individual. So I got a bunch of uh, you know uh, photographs from like my wedding and stuff with my my uh, my groomsmen. Yeah, groomsmen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look for the word. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I, I know, you know, of people who have adopted, you know, uh, black children who are white people and they're not doing anything to talk to them about, uh, their hair, for example, or mm -hmm. to give them books that have little black girls in the books or black Barbies or whatever the, the thing is. And I think that that's, obviously important for for you know people in that position but like you said for for white people um you know all of those things the representation tv shows books all that stuff helps tremendously mm -hmm. um and so i yeah i mean god i i plan on doing all of that yeah. that work to make sure that my my child one day um grows up and and is seeing these people always surrounding them and not just surrounding them as sort of in the background, but that they're in the forefront. You right. know what I mean? And and you know, not to segue away from your question, but you know, being partially raised in Italy, there's a huge problem in Italy. I mean, the whole world's racist, but I'm just saying. I'm going to I'm going to talk about one country. Um, in Italy, uh, we have we're the closest sort of uh, land border to Northern Africa. And so we get so many of the refugees coming over in boats to Italy. It's mm -hmm. this it's this hub. And like, you know, Trump has radicalized a lot of people against this narrative that immigrants are bad and that they're rapists and they got all these horrible attributes. We had a politician, Savini, who was very similar in that way in radicalizing that deep mm -hmm you know, rooted uh, populace of people in Italy. And it's a, it's a huge problem. And 
I've gone back to talk to family members. I've had to correct so many of my my family members even that make jokes that I'm like, hey man, you can't mm. say that around me. That is not cool. There you go. Like that will not fly. Mm. You know, it's just it's not. And and it only takes doing me doing that like once or twice, and they're like, oh shit. That's you know? right. But I, I hope what I hope when I do that is that they're not like, ah, I can't say that around Giacomo. Mm. That it's oh, I can't say that. Yeah. But it'll start there. You know I can't what I mean? stay that like around Jack. Said, oh, that's cool. You know, it's a start. And then, and then, start. And then maybe it, you know. And what we should uh, say is to a man who challenge, who who is challenged by challenging other men, who has difficulty, you know, in the way that you do it mm -hmm. in, in with, with a group of men, whether it's anti-immigrant or sexist language. Mm -hmm. Like, what's your advice for men who want to do that more but aren't sure how, where to start? It is uncomfortable. Like yeah. there, there's just no other way around it. Like it's not a pleasant thing to do. You don't like to check your friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think you get, you guys had that story about going into a suit shop and you had coffees or something and the guy only came up to you. It's like, mm -hmm. it's little things like that where it's like, it's not pleasurable for you to check your friend about that thing, but you got to do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You got to, because like you said, it has to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Kind of like apologizing where it'll be, you'll feel happier after. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not during. And I, mm -hmm. and I think like you said too, like you have to hold space for that person too. Agreed. You know, they have a journey of, mm. of, of growth and of learning uh, ahead of them. So you, you got to help them along. And if you hit them with judgment and put downs and insults, mm. you are going nowhere fast with that individual. You're calling, going, you're calling, you'll in. lose everybody. It's calling in versus calling you, out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You'll lose that individual. Yeah. So long as you don't tolerate behavior, mm -hmm. correct. you have to then tolerate the people who are in the middle of that struggle and still learning. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> Right? We, none of us would have friends. You don't really everyone, have any friends, I don't, Because everyone would be learning in the learning process. I uh, appreciate you sharing that Spe and being vulnerable with Speaking of friends, um, what's the relationship you have with your male friends? And and is it is it as deep as you want it to be? Do you find there to be um, roadblocks and challenges to be truly vulnerable with your friends? Are you able to, if you're struggling with something? To reach out to them and say, "Hey, I need to talk. I'm, I'm going through it, or I'm down, or I'm feeling yeah, depressed." Yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like out of the sort of wider male friend group that I have, um, not because not because they all wouldn't be capable of holding space for that kind of a conversation, but I feel like who I would approach with that kind of a conversation. Like the net becomes like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like two why, or three Why people. does the net, why do you think that happens? Like, what is it? And we've been talking on the show about safe spaces mm -hmm. for men. I think it's because it's like, I've kind of had those conversations with those individuals. So I know it's a safe place to return. I've I've gone to that place with them and I've returned safely. Mm. <laughs> so so I know it's gonna be a safe journey back. And there's anxiety around that, right? Of course. Well, Brene course. Brown talks about this, right? That people earn the right to hear your story. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you wow. know who has in yeah. your group of friends and you know that you can go back to them. But I think for a lot of men, I'm not sure there's a lot of people, other men around you who earn the right to hear your story. Have you cried in front of your guy friends? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. My wedding day, I was like, I, I just couldn't stop. Yeah, me I didn't too. think there was that much water in my body. <laughs> I was like, it's got to stop eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think there's been, there's been a few times in my life where, you know, 
this career is stressful. The pressure that's put on you is tremendous. And I'm not so great at um, balancing that all the time. And I kind of discovered therapy like two and a half years ago, mm. um, which I say is coming late to the game. And then I have a lot of friends being like, late to the game, man. What are you, what are you talking about, man? Like, it's not late to the game. I was only getting tools kind of to have these conversations with – friends around me and, and and obviously with my therapist like two and a half years ago, mm. you know, before that it was kind of all kept inside and how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I just feel like this whole journey to being a deeper, more evolved individual, I'm just so at the beginning of it, you know, I'm just so at the beginning of it, but mm. God, if I look at where I was, you know, two and a half years ago, to now it's like mm. night and day. And if your wife was here right now, what would she say is something you still need to work on, on that journey? Yeah, I think apologizing <laughs> quicker mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the having to be right, the having to be mm. right. Yeah, why? Like, why does it matter? Isn't it so funny oh, that, love that. that you were aware of it? But that's, see, awareness is the superpower because when you lack that, you can go on tangents for like hours. Yeah. When you have the awareness, you can still go off on a tangent, but in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm being such a fucking idiot. Right now. <laughs> I'm going to keep arguing for another five minutes because I really care deeply about this point that I'm about to make. And it's going to be so sick. I'm going to like land this point. She's going to have nothing to say. I'm just going like to stop her in her tracks. But then that awareness is, is, is being like, okay, yeah. It's that little knocking on that door of like, <laughs> you, you should wrap it up now. You, you're stroking your ego. I, I get you. Woohoo, you're so amazing. Let's wrap it up now. And then you apologize, you know, and you, you get through that argument just so much faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but I'm not perfect. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still yeah. figuring it's it all out. Good. Are there any other areas in your life where, you know, I often talk about the, these invisible forces that kind of govern our actions as men? Um, the, the, the things that we've been socialized to uh, to believe are maybe things for women or that girls do or that we're above um, or that we just don't do, right? Like reaching out to a guy. Like I know for, for me, when I first wanted to reach out to, to my best friends um, because I was struggling and I was, I was, I had an unhealthy relationship with porn, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I could not call them and we and these guys have seen me cry they've seen we've 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 been around each other in look and had very low points but that issue for me was like a, another level of vulnerability because it was exposing a dark part of myself that i didn't like and i could not call jamie and say hey man i gotta talk to you about something right and this is a guy who shared all of the things he's done in his life. And he's a safe place for me, but I couldn't do it. There was something about the way that I was raised, having a grandfather who was an immigrant, um, my dad being a first generation Italian, probably having to just be that epitome of strength and not be weak, but I couldn't do it. So are there other areas in your life where you still f find like tons of resistance to, to like do or to not do things um, that shouldn't be that hard? I think being helped. And asking for help is a huge thing that I, mm. I, I still wrestle with a lot. Like in what way? That I have to do everything by myself. On your own? Yes. Yeah. The greatest yeah. myth of masculinity is that we have to do it on our own. 
That is a, a killer, man. That is like, a, why? Like, I'm carrying this huge thing and someone's like, can I help you? It'd be a lot easier. And I'm like, no, I can do it on my own. <laughs> As you Inst- break your just, legs. Yeah, and- instead of just being like, oh, yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then we like lift this thing so easily together. You know what I mean? That's a thing that, I don't know. And it's just like, I think I'm, like I've probably gained some of the most success in my my family coming from an immigrant family you know that's a a challenging thing of like i had to make it on my own like nobody helped me like i got i did all these things by myself you know um that's a sort of pride and ego wrapped around that of like why like what like what's Mm. so bad about admitting that like somebody was really helpful Mm -hmm. along your journey and that they they helped you achieve where you are now you know what i mean Mm. um I don't know why that exists, uh, but yeah, I think that is- So what is, do you do when that comes up for you? How do you push through that? I I don't know. I don't know what I do. Um, I fight it, I guess, initially, um, but I'm learning that um, asking for help or allowing someone who's willing to help uh, make this whole process easier is 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 much better and much more healthy. Mm. And I think also like with my wife, it's like um, like the help of a woman is like almost insulting. You know, it was like I was like, oh no, like I got this, like I can figure this out. I'm mm. a man. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Why do you think it's a, it's insulting? Because it's emasculating. Mm-hmm. Ooh, one of my favorite words that I don't think is a real word. It's such a, yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, I mean, there's just no equivalent, right, in, in any other language that you can't take away my femininity, right? It can't be taken away externally. I think there's something that? so interesting about whenever I hear the term masculine, I'm like, so you're giving up all your power. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're letting no, someone. No, we're collectively admitting yeah. how stupid it is. But <laughs> right. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's. Hey, Liz, I'm curious because I see you sometimes. Um, vacillate between a couple of perspectives and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you are like, oh, I love that they're doing this work and you're patient. And other times, maybe along with it, you're like, um, okay, I just need you to do the, I just need you to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're here and hearing all of this, how does, how are you feeling? What are you observing? Um, does it make you feel hopeful? Does it make you feel less or what, whatever? I don't put words in your mouth. I don't feel negative or positive. I think what I'm hearing is, I mean, maybe I, I do feel positive, more positive than negative. But <laughs> what I hear is, I mean, these are things that I wish I'd heard from, like, m- you know, my partners, like my male partners. I was right, like I started off explaining that I feel like this is a huge obstacle, um, right? Wh- whatever you want to call it, I think idealized masculinity. These ideas that you, that your female partner helping you is bad and masculating for you and mm-hmm. uh, apologizing is bad. It means that you lose, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of these things actually make your relationship so much, so much healthier. And can you just tell me why possibly us talking about it when you hear about it um, is also not enough? Because as I hear us talk about it over and over again, uh-huh. I leave the set, I go back to my life. Mm-hmm. And then I, if it just stays here, it just stays here. It's just mm-hmm. a conversation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. in my eyes unless we are actually putting into practice mm-hmm. and why. And I'm imagining someone in your position who has this conversation a lot, mm-hmm. oftentimes hear people talk about it, mm-hmm. but then don't see it put into practice. Mm-hmm. So possibly maybe that's why it's like, oh yeah, I hear stuff yeah. and it's great. But at the end of the day, I'm just hearing stuff. Uh-huh. Does that go through your mind at all? Well, during- I guess like 
yeah, have you, this is an amazing conversation between men about how great apologizing is. Like, have you had that conversations with, have you had that conversation with other men? Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. This might be the first time that, so like, have it with other men. Like, I would love when I am in an argument, again, I feel like I could have like saved several relationships if the <laughs> guy I was in a relationship with had a friend like you to be like, yo, bro, uh, apologize. Like you're being a dick and mm -hmm. you're gonna lose her mm -hmm. and you're gonna lose the relationship based on your pride or your ego mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So I, what I would love is for men to, again, in friendship and, and, and in connection and in male intimacy and with that safety that I think you can provide for each other with the right people to, to challenge each other so that your relationships with, with women are, are better. Mm. Yeah, and, and with each other, Yeah. right? Yeah. Thanks. Because the we more are, of this, I, yeah. I think it's great. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's and what that's what what I love is that's why you reached out. You know, you reached out mm -hmm. because you wanted to come on and talk, mm -hmm. knowing that you're at the beginning of your journey. Because mm -hmm. you're like, hey, I have this thing, right? I have this platform. People know me, mm -hmm. but like, I'm really resonating with the work you're doing, and I want to share it, and I want to talk to my people and let sure. them know. Like, and that, and I think that's yeah hugely important because Definitely. look. For whatever reason, us men, we idolize certain types of men, right? Because of the way the patriarchy works, you got a super successful guy like yourself, you're handsome, all these women love you. Mm -hmm. uh, you, by all means, are like what a man wants to be. Mm -hmm. So when you come out and you say like this type of stuff, or I'm, oh, man, I suck at this, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm working on it, I'm getting yeah. better. Mm. You are letting that man who's listening know that like, oh, I can have all the success in the world. I can have money. I can be in great shape. And I can be yeah. a good human being and I can be respectful and I can apologize mm -hmm. and all of this mm -hmm. stuff. And, and I can hot. also have the right and to- that, and, well, hold hot. on, hold on guys, no. wait, <laughs> say, it, say it again, Liz. And that's hot. Hear that guys listening? From hear, all women. Hear that? Hear that? I, I speak on behalf of all women, I don't. <laughs> you but rarely speak on behalf of all women. I don't speak on behalf of all women. But today you do. It's hot. Yeah. I yeah. have not met a woman who's like, oh yeah, my boyfriend goes to, you know, therapy and it's gross. Like it's, it's damaged our relationship. And that's like, it's so sexy. It is so sexy. What's not sexy though, is making your wife or your girlfriend mm -hmm. the therapist. Yeah. That is where it's not sexy. Oh God, literally. Yes. It like affects the relationship mm -hmm. sexually. Yeah. Uh, mm. In not good ways. I just want to talk, I just want to go back to marriage real quick. Okay, sure. Um, So something that, um. Something that I'm learning mm -hmm. and I'm getting better at is sharing in housework. And um, and we've had conversations about this. And um, I'm just curious, you've only been married for two years. Mm -hmm. And at one point- We lived together before that, but yes. Yeah, so, <clears throat> and we've had, uh, we've had deep conversations on the show mm -hmm. about how important it is for men to actually check in with their partners and ask, about sharing the load and um, and housework and chores. And I'm just wondering if you've had a conversation like that and if you ever fall into any traditional gender norms in the house and and, and what are you doing to kind of like, God. you know, fight it's against Italian that? is even harder. It, it, I'm, I'm like, with you, God. brother, I'm with you, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so ingrained in our culture. Yeah, and even like, God, like being a fan of, of, of cinema, like if you like Italian films, like, Watch old Italian films. <laughs> It'll tell you everything you need to know about mm. whose place is what mm -hmm. in yeah. Italy. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I think, you know, we've kind of split up certain things in the house. Um, but I think the the rule 
that allows us to always kind of be on the same page and not have, you know, arguments, whatever, is that like, this may be my, like, I may be doing this thing repeatedly, but it's not my job. And at any point, if I need help, you need to pitch in. So it's like if um, I think kids are talking about laundry, it's like I don't do I don't do laundry either. But if there's moments where you know Nicole's overwhelmed or this or that, and she's like, "Hey, could you put a couple loads through it?" Absolutely, like of course I will. You know what I mean? Like it's not even a question. Mm. It's like you know, or if I, I'm I'm kind of like the kitchen cleanup dishes kind of guy and cooking and, and and stuff like that. But you know, if there's a moment where I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, I gotta prepare for this thing tomorrow. I just like honestly, you know, she's like, oh, I'll, I'll cook. Like, that's fine. You know what I mean? Just like that thing is like, I know this is normally your job. Yeah. But like, I'm having a kind of a crazy time. Would you mind tonight doing the shift, kind of a thing? But it's healthy and it's positive, and and we both agree to that contract. And so I think, yeah. as long as you know, both parties agree. Mutually and equally agree. Yeah. Or have the conversation. Because, and and I love that you guys have talked about it, but let's be real. A lot of men have not. Mm -mm. There's there's a lot of marriages and spaces where it's just assumed, Mm -hmm. right? Because we've seen our fathers or our grandfathers or the Mm -hmm. movies that we watch know the place that our partners are in. So that's why we demonstrate, we have to start demonstrating those Mm -hmm. things at home and teach our boys and girls. I was, yeah, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. So I'm not a father uh, yet, but I I think that that's also a really important thing in terms of like raising, you know, your children of like having your children see that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Having dad, see dad do the laundry Mm -hmm. here and there and having see dad do, you know, this and that and. Make them better partners too. Cause again, very sexy man who does his own laundry. (laughs) Yes. Top up there. Should we. Should we jump into rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Rapid. This means quick, quick, quick. Okay. Welcome to this week's Man Enough podcast rapid fire questions. This is from Kay Blanco. How do you stay patient in difficult moments? Breath. Return Mm. to the breath. Breathe. Close my eyes. Breathe. Love that. Mm. Okay. Uh, When was the last time that you apologized? Oh, God. I can't remember. Probably like... Yesterday, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I can. Yeah. What was the last time you cried? Um, watching the podcast with your father, mm-hmm. and then later that night having a conversation with my wife about it and sharing what it did for me. I again cried. You also cried talking about your wife a little bit today. That yeah. was really mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Oh, and just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just now. Mm-hmm. Lots. <laughs> what do other people value that you do not value? Being seen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You don't mean your I, spirit. That's your, great. If that's I could just if I could just do my work and then go home, yeah. oh my God, what a dream. Mm. Like going to events and parties and all that kind of stuff where yeah. like my anxiety gets all the better of me and like I get really nervous and socially awkward and I just go to the bar <laughs> to find, try and, you know, oh God. So, yeah. What do people value that you value? Integrity, I think. Is something that I value. Like, I take pride in like being a good, honest man, a man of my word, a man that you can count on. Um, that I'm not. I don't have a hidden agenda. I am who I am. When you meet me, it's me. I, I don't have anything else going on. Mm. Um, I'm coming here to have a conversation with you and nothing else. Yeah, you know, and sweet. all of you. And um, yeah, so just integrity. You have a uh, you have a time travel device, and you can go back in time. Mm-hmm. And you go back to nine, 
10-year-old you, the you that's shouldering that burden and hearing your dad t- tell you things for your mom and your mom tell you things to your dad. What do you, what do you tell that, that nine-year-old you right now? This is not your job. Mm. And you can say no. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Fast forward, you're a ghost at your funeral. Mm-hmm. What do you hope people say about you and the way that you move through the world? I think my ego would tell me that I left behind a beautiful body of work. <laughs> <laughs> but my heart and my soul would would say that, you know, that person was always there for me, that that people felt that, you know, um, when they needed, when they called, I picked up, that I had an impact in their life, that I helped them, that I was able to help them. I, I love helping people. So mm. I, I, I hope that people would say that he helped me. A service. Lot. You're yeah. of service. Yeah. And finally, what does it mean to you to be man enough? I don't know, but I'm okay with that. Hmm. Best answer yet. Mm, yes, <laughs> I love it. But I'm on the journey to try and figure it out. Love it. Sorry. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, then I'll tell you, brother, you are man enough. That question made you man enough. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I so, you so appreciate much. you Thank coming you. on the show. What a special, special, kind special. man you are. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, wh- where do where do people find you? Since you have a love-hate relationship with social media, where can they find you and all the charities that if you're involved with? If you can figure out how to spell my name, mm-hmm. it's just my first name and my last name on Instagram, Giacomo underscore Gianelti. Check it out. He's involved with uh, some amazing nonprofits. My friend's place. You're doing beautiful work. And uh, I can't wait to see your star rise. Thank you. More men like you you. win in this town. Love that. Uh, We will be right back. This is Man Enough. Hello and welcome back to Man Enough. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. And I'm Jamie Heath. And uh, we just had a beautiful conversation Mm -hmm. with Giacomo. Mm -hmm. What a sweet soul. Man. Yeah. Like, and you know, he said at the end, breath. Um, breath was kind of his, uh, the way that he calms himself and comes back to himself. And you could just tell he's somebody that meditates and breathes and is calm and just a very You remind me sweet uh, a little bit in a different way, but of Sean Shawn Mendes. Mendes. Yeah. Canadian right. masculinity. Oh, wow, right? It's, it, it's just a, a, a sweet... <laughs> Canadian masculinity. A sweet calmness in his... Um, yeah. And his manhood. Wait, are you, so is that how all Canadian masculine men are? I wish. Um, no, we have a spectrum as well. Yeah. I think that it's a little bit different. Like, it's not as stereotypical. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about the Marlboro man, Hollywood's yeah. definition of masculinity is, like, very over the top. We don't have, like, a Dwayne Johnson. Uh, but we certainly have a, a spectrum. And there are, yeah, uh, incredible men who are like Sean and yep. uh, like Jack Renamo, uh who are, I think, very humble. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of humility. Humility there. But you know what I should have asked him is, he said he had a hard time apologizing, but isn't the joke about Canadians is that you say sorry yeah, for everything? True. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's an apology. It's just the words. Right? Mm-hmm. Or again, I think we apologize for small things, like, you know, re- going in front of someone at the, you know, grocery store, grocery store or whatever, but maybe not when, you mm-hmm. know, you're in a fight with your girlfriend. And, the vulnerable right. apologies. The vulnerable apologies. Yeah, the real yeah, ones. That's easy. 
Uh, any any takeaways? I love a lot of what he shared. I think I think he's on a really important journey, and I love that he plays uh, a character who has a mental health recovery and journey as well. Mm. That was great. My takeaway also was when he spoke of his father with love and reverence, mm-hmm. but also talked about what may have been missing, because um, I think that's such an important thing. Yeah, that we as men, if it's not modeled for us in our home, then we look outside of the home. We're going to look outside anyway, mm-hmm. but then we got it's harder chance to be someone that you want to be if you don't have that. So, if you can, we can look at that so that we can be better with our own children, our nephews and friends. Mm. So that that was sweet to hear him say. Yeah, yeah, he gave me hope. Yeah, he gave me hope, especially in this industry because it can. F- I'll speak for myself. It can be, it can feel very lonely doing this type of work in this business. It would be much easier to not, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. It'd be much easier to not, to not have done all this stuff and just focused on acting or producing or directing. And and when I hear from guys like him, and it's funny, Sean Mendes too, right? These types of men, it just, it just gives me hope that there are a lot of us out there that maybe haven't, you know, kind of like, we're kind of like hermit crabs, like who haven't just, poked their head out and said, Hey, I'm here. And I actually agree with you. And I want to share my feelings and be vulnerable with you. And you know, his messages of support, it just been, it's just really sweet. And I I like to see guys like that. I like to see guys like that win. Yeah. And when you say, especially in our industry, that is true. And then I also wonder because at least you get in, uh, in Hollywood. And if you're a celebrity, um, you might be alone, but you also get the people that do love you, get to see it and then give you words of support. I wonder about, the person who lives in Nebraska, um, or you know, who doesn't have anyone to champion where he's at, if yeah, he does think that's really like us, that's really tough, and he's really alone and doesn't have anyone, so then he's stuck. He can't be vulnerable ever because no one's going to champion him. And that's why we make the show. That's why we do the podcast. It's for it's for guys who are just starting out. It's for the it's for the guys in Nebraska who are championing women and who want to have these conversations, and yet they feel alone. And mm-hmm. I don't know, hopefully. Hopefully we're uh, we're touching your hearts um, and you're going on a journey with us. I had a thought yesterday, which I shared, which I'm excited about um, my, for myself. I'm really always interested in reaching men. Mm. Um, and I still am interested in that, but less focused on it. Because if there are 10 women that hear men talk about it and feel seen and feel important, and the other 10 men did not care about it at all, then that's a win. Um, just like I experienced in my life, you know, when white people, I want you to change other white people to have influence on them. But if 10 of my brothers and sisters feel seen and appreciated and that your voice is championing them, that's the win, mm. even if you miss the other guys. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll share, because I've never answered this question and I thought about it when he did. You're a ghost at your own funeral. And as he was saying, I was thinking, man, the hell would I want? And then it just popped in my head. I would want someone to say nothing, but he struggled well. I, I don't want to be champion for all the good stuff. Sure. People are going to do that. My mom's going to need to do that. Right. And all of our wives, you know, our, our friends. And, but, um, I want to be remembered for my truth. So it would be, mm. he struggled, struggled well. I like that. Um, I don't want that to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. I still want, in my last minute, I still want to be held accountable. 
<laughs> well, I'm careful what you ask for. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's the truth. Uh, if you like this conversation, please follow and like us wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to manenough.com slash podcast. And um, we're going to take this calm vibe out into the day That's and uh and may you have an incredible day and may you also remember that you just as you are mm. are enough this is man enough thank you for listening to the man enough podcast produced by wayfarer studios and presented by procter and gamble in partnership with cadence 13 and odyssey company hosted by justin baldoni liz plank and me jamie heath if you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathode from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kahea Kiwaha is our producer, Brandy Cole is head of marketing, Susie Landers O'Connell is our assistant editor, and Josh Schneider is our lead editor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>